Welcome to Bub Club, a horror movie podcast. On today's show, we will be spotlighting Death Dream, and we will give to you our top three favorite horror scores slash theme. I guess they're one and the same. This is episode number eight, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I am Lindsay. I'm Melanie. And I'm Josh. And we're in the same room. <laughs> you wouldn't think so with that intro. <laughs> <laughs> we're not used to being in the same room together. So everybody have fun tonight. Everybody Wang Chung tonight. <laughs> what if I don't want to Wang Chung? The global pandemic is not over, but... We're all family, so we're starting to inch our way into normality. We're lucky that way. Yeah, we get to for some reason. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just, you know. And then in two weeks, we'll all be too sick to record. So <laughs> we'll this see. will be we'll one of our last shows. <laughs> we'll see how it pans out. Lindsay, you got some horror babble for our ears? I do. I do. I wanted to talk about... Now, unfortunately... For Josh, he's not going to know what the hell we're talking about during this. But back in, oh my gosh, uh, I, I can't remember, was it the 90s? Yes, the 90s. Definitely the 90s. Uh, uh, the Stand came out on TV. It was a made-for-movie, made-for-movie, made-for-TV <laughs> series, like, or not series, but like a, not even a movie. What do you call them when they're just- Mini-series. Mini-series. a mini-series. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So anyway, I recently found out that they- arm or have made a new one and i'm a little excited about this because when when the stand came out it was huge do you do you remember this i remember it was huge oh you, yeah i mean like it was on tv and i just remember like it was so important to get to the tv when it was coming on so that it was like it was like that era's like breaking bad almost it really was it was that popular like it was that much of like a, a hit for everybody and everybody was talking about it everybody would look forward to it 1994 I was going to say 94. I wish I would have just gone with my gut. Um, so anyway, I started thinking about like the, the oldest stand. And I remember like Gary Sinise played like the main character. And uh, Rob Lowe was in it. Right? Rob Lowe was in it. And uh, I started thinking like, gosh, like I bet there's a dream cast for this. Like I would, there's got to be a Sega, dream. Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> remember those? You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. so. I was. I just wanted to kind of go through really quick and talk about. So Stu Redman was the main character that Gary Sinise played. Um, you you might also know him as Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. Uh, so the new guy playing him is James Marsden. Do you guys know who that is? Nope. No. Cyclops. Yeah. It's Cyclops from the oh, X Men and from uh, Ready Player One. Is he Wait, in Ready what? Player One? I know he's in Westworld. Yeah. 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 I don't know about Ready Player One. But anyway, not the you're thinking of the oh, new I'm one, thinking old cycle. I'm, I'm old thinking X-Men. of the young, the young yeah, Cyclops. No, okay. no, no, no. So, so yeah, I don't hate that choice, but I think there's a better choice. And and I was thinking who would be more perfect than John Krasinski? Um. Oh yeah. When he, is he the uh, the character is uh, for lack of a better better word, he's special. No, 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 no. This is no, like the main, the main character, character, like the good guy. Throughout, oh, okay. you know, like this would be like the Rick Grimes of the stand, you know, gotcha. like kind of like the leader in a little way. But I was like, John Krasinski would have been perfect for that role because he just like has that about him of like he could play that lead 
that lead goody goody good guy, but not but good in a not in like a in a way that's like too good, you know. Right. But. I wouldn't think so until I saw a quiet place. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, he's got some real like leader abilities. Definitely. Definitely. As an actor. I don't know about in real life. Do you guys have any other idea? Like, could you think of anybody else who would be good for that role? I think that's a pretty good choice right there. I like who's the guy that plays Star Lord? Oh, uh, Chris Pratt. Yeah. Chris Pratt. Oh, that'd be a really good, good one, yeah. too. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Be he might be better than John Krasinski. He's all buff, too. Yeah, he's all buff. Yeah. yeah. And he'd be funny. He had um, a little bit of humor to him. I know that the, that Whoopi Goldberg is playing the old woman. Yeah, it's, I'll get there. I'll get there. We just went there. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> or, or, well, we can talk <laughs> about that. So there is there is Mother Abigail. Um, the old, the old lady, uh, the the original. Lady. I'm sorry, are we dreamcasting the whole thing? No, 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 just a few characters. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't mean to jump. So, the gun. so there was a uh, Ruby. I apologize. D. It's okay. Oh, sorry. It's <laughs> it's Ruby D who played the old one. I, I looked through like her IMDb, and there's really nothing that I could even tell you guys where she's from because I I don't know that she didn't do much else I guess that I knew of. Maybe some but anyway, original. So yes, Whoopi Goldberg is playing the new the the new uh, mother Abigail, who is this like. Like visionary character, right? She's kind of like the oracle in the situation. So the good yeah. guys, explaining to Josh and some audience who haven't seen the the movie, I remember I had the double VHS of this. Came in two VHS tapes. Um, it's about a global pandemic. That's yeah. That's that's another yeah. reason why I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. It's just kind of like oh, much worse than than this current one. Right. In yeah. fact, what's funny is uh, I think it was on Twitter. Stephen King said. The Stan's pandemic was much worse than what's happening now because it was super deadly. And somebody commented on that and said, how would you know? Did you even read the book? (laughs) 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 Um, That's great. So there's this global pandemic, really cool opening scene. Yeah. It is such a neat scene where uh, it's on a military base and like um, this contagion gets out and you, you, the guy presses the button for the gate to close, and one of the guys panics and takes off. And then he crashes into a gas station and starts spreading it all over the place. Right. But the but the opening scene with the song that's yes. playing, and then it's just panning through all the dead people that just, I mean, it, it instantly killed them. And instantly. There's some pretty good effects in there, too, of just, like, disgusting, like, how, how gross they, they look, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And then these the good people see visions of this old black lady. Yeah. And the bad people see visions of this old white Ra- guy. Yeah, oh my Randall. god. Yeah. This seems oh. very <laughs> very true to form here. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is this why I've been seeing Michelle Obama in my dreams? Yeah. <laughs> um so Whoopi Goldberg is playing that people are right. going to get visions of her. Right. And and there's like a handful of people left, you know, like there, there's not many people that survive. Yeah, this, but, some people are immune to the disease. But it, yeah, it has this like spiritual overtones. Yeah, it's weird. It it's basically, Christy. it's basically like God and the devil. Like, yeah, it's good versus Black evil. lady represents God, and and the other dude represents the devil. So the old white guy. So then I was like, okay, Whoopi Goldberg's, I think, a good choice. I thought so. Is too. there a better? Especially when I saw no. the picture of her, I was like, oh. What about I'm Oprah? In. Oprah? No. No. Is this better? What better? If she only narrated, it'd be fine. Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes. She's yeah. cracking jokes. There'd so, be some funny visions. So another big character was the the handicapped character or the, the mentally challenged character. His name was uh, Tom Colin. Now the old uh, actor that played him is Bill Fagerbach. Fagerbach? Uh, he, 
you might know him as the voice of Patrick Starr from SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, he's the voice. So the new guy playing him is uh, William Henke. What's Brad, he Brad William Hen Brad William Henke. So y- the only thing I really knew him from there, he played a small character in The Office, but the one I really knew him from was Split. He played like the rapey uncle. Like oh, the, the young that girl guy. Okay. that what she had have visions of her yeah, uncle. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. The original is was a big dude, right? Yeah. 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 Bill Fager Bake Bach. And anyway, here's my feelings about this. With this day and age, this character should be played by somebody that's actually a, an, a mentally challenged like actor. Like there's oh, there, sure. there's those out there, like those the plenty of them out there. And I feel like it's a little weird to have. I don't know. I mean, it might be a little insensitive, sure. Yeah, but I still think I think Chris Pratt should play that role too. <laughs> Maybe he should just nutty professor it and play the whole damn roles, yeah, all roles. Go. So I was thinking that um, there. I think it's. I think this is her, Lauren Potter. She's the girl that was in American Horror Story. Um, the one with Down syndrome. Yeah, she has Down syndrome. Oh yeah. And I was like, why not like make it her? You know, it doesn't need to be a dude. Like no, why it. That, it doesn't need to be because the whole a male. the whole part of what the, what's important about this role is like that kind of person survived this and needs help, you know, and, and they they get like, they kind of team up with the other character that I'll talk about, which is um, Nick Andros that was once played by Rob Lowe. Man, I feel like they missed an opportunity. I could totally envision her yeah, in that role, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I just think it'd be great. She's a great actress. Yeah. She, you know, I don't know. And I just, I don't know. I feel like it's weird. M-O-O-N. That spells weird. <laughs> Do you remember that? That's like what that character would, he always oh, said, yeah. M-O-O-N. That spells funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, Rob Lowe played Nick Andrus. He was a, a deaf character. And this is the guy that got teamed up with like Tom Was Cullen. he deaf or was he, he was, just mute? No, he, he was deaf. He was deaf, deaf and, and mute. mute. Yeah. Um, so the new guy playing him is Henry Zaga. Uh, and I really didn't recognize him. I guess he was in 13 Reasons Why. He played a character named Brad. And then he also plays Sunspot in The New Mutants, but obviously we haven't seen that movie. So then I was like, what? who would be better for that character? And, and like I'm thinking of like Rob Lowe, and I'm like, oh, what about Adam Driver? Kylo Ren would be like a oh, great yeah. character for that for some yeah. reason for me. I don't know. Any, any think, thoughts about no thoughts here? Tom Holland. Tom Holland would be great too. Yeah, yeah, I like this. I okay. just imagine him shorter because it's like this little guy with this big guy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So the last character I'll talk about is obviously Randall Flag, the big character. This is the devil guy, right? Who played him originally? Um, the old guy that played him was Jamie Sheridan, and like if you saw his face, you'd be like, you could, you would kind of like recognize him, but he was nothing like notable that I could like really talk about, I guess. But uh, the new. The new Randall Flag will be Alex Ga- Alexander Skarsgård, and if Skarsgård sounds familiar, it's because he's the brother of Pennywise. Oh, the they're guy- actually brothers. Yeah, the guy. Oh, what was his name? The guy that played Peter. Pe- Peter no, Skarsgård. No, 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 not Peter. It was a different guy. Anyway, um, anyway, the guy that played Pennywise. This is his brother. So it's kind of interesting in that sense. Um, Alexander Skarsgård's also going to be in the new Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm not sure what kind of a role he'll have in there. But now here in my head, I think I found the perfect Randall Flagg character. The best, like, devil villain. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell would oh, yeah. be good. Yeah. He'd be a great, yeah. like, villain, like, 
come I'm, like and and the, this character's supposed to be like a older devil dude. Well, and like and kind of like a tempt tempter too, yeah, you know, like yeah. uh, he's very sexual. And I was just like, oh, that would be that, that would be a great one for Colin yeah. Farrell. I was thinking the dude that played Alfred in the new Batman v Superman. I forget his name. He's a famous actor. Oh, the the sexy Alfred? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know his name either. I don't know who you're talking about. You never saw Sexy the, Alfred? You never saw the new Alfred and all the new with a ben a, with a Batflick? Batflick. Oh, Batflick. I, saw, I just, it doesn't ring a bell. So anyway, that's, that's about all I want to talk about. I'm just, I don't know, I'm this... This uh, miniseries meant a lot when I was growing up, so I think what I want to do is watch the old one before this comes out, yeah, and then so. and then watch this new one, and just kind of compare and Jeremy see. Irons. Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. That's who you want to be, Randall Flagg. Yeah, that'd be good too, because he is a little bit older. I'm right? gonna go with Colin Farrell, like you said. I think <laughs> I'll just like watching him on screen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just wants the. I just want to see him. He played a great vampire. Him. I thought that's and that's yeah, what yeah. I thought. I was like, he he has that like good evilness about yeah. him. So yeah. Anyway, I think that I'm excited about this and uh, and uh, yeah, when it starts when it starts playing and stuff, I want to talk a little bit more about it and start comparing. Yeah, and, we'll and probably watch it for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, so my horror babble is isn't on anything. Oh, isn't on anything like as exciting as yours. But I've been having um, sleep paralysis again, kind of off and on lately. I know Brandon has it. Um, these dreams can get pretty scary. I don't know. Lindsay's had some where you see things and you're awake. And they're like mean looking things. Like usually with mine, they're like black little cloud things that come out the wall and like come over and like sit on my chest and I can't breathe. So that that's like the most common thing across. Yeah, and, yeah, and a, it's actually is, a famous painting called The Nightmare right. that depicts that. Right. If you if you Google it, The Nightmare, it's actually pretty terrifying. And it's it's basically sleep paralysis is basically uh, the chemicals in your brain that. So when you when you go to sleep, there's a chemical that's released that paralyzes you. If this didn't happen, then you would sleepwalk and probably die all the time. Like you know, because you or you'd be smacking your significant yeah. other in sure, bed. And, sure. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, what happens is when you wake up, this chemical does not trigger and turn off, so you're still paralyzed and in this like half dream state. So so your mind the the black shapes is like. The closest our mind can get to like a human shape, and that's why uh, we all see them. It's just uh, so real half the it's time. It's very, it's very yeah. realistic. It can be accompanied with what's called hippopompic hallucinations, which is where it gets even more realistic, where it goes beyond the black shape. That's only happened to me once. I know you described it as like your head exploding. No, so that's exploding head syndrome. Oh, that, oh my god. So, okay. so yeah, the interesting thing about the the. So you could have hippopompic hallucinations where, where you can taste, feel, see, and it's it's very realistic. And that's what I had when I went through my spout of sleep paralysis. I, I didn't have like light sleep paralysis. Like I was having these incredible hallucinations that were just like, they're kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street, which is funny because that's what Nightmare on Elm Street kind of got. It was based it, on. Inspired yeah, by, right? Yeah, because teens were like, uh, I it was uh, Wes Craven read that like teens were dying in their sleep from it. Yeah. Now it's pretty rare to die from it. Yeah. So if you're like listening to this and you have sleep paralysis, you're not going to die most likely. No. No. Um, you there just have to recognize that what it is and then you could pull yourself out of it. Right. Hopefully. There was one I had where I woke up and I almost called my mom to like come get me and take me to the hospital because my heart was like beating so incredibly So I knew hard. a guy whose part of his hair turned white from it. Yeah. And yeah. it's terrifying. He, to this day, claims that he was abducted by aliens. Yeah, it's very <laughs> realistic. It's very realistic. I and put two and two together, and and it's like it's kind of indescribable. The sad thing is, there are some people that don't 
know that this is going on. They don't understand what I it didn't. is. Yeah. I didn't until no, I met I you and, you and you explained it to me. Josh, have you heard of this sleep paralysis? Uh, yeah, and I've, I've experienced it like once or twice. I've never had a serious bout with it but mm-hmm. so I, it, I know I it know occurs it, is. it occurs a lot more too in people that can lucid dream and i and i was able to like lucid dream and then unfortunately it would turn into this sleep paralysis because as soon as i realized i was dreaming i'd kind of half wake up and then yeah. i'd be stuck in that state but yeah it's it's incredibly terrifying did you have uh do you have any like hallucinations in this next um, one or was it just like you couldn't no move? it's just i couldn't move uh before when i was younger it was the more of the hallucination part where the monsters or Sometimes i could feel myself hands. being dragged off the bed yeah. yeah um but it still sucks it's, yeah it's yeah, oh, not yeah, it a does. fun experience yeah. Yeah. no so yeah that's how i get them i get them where i just like can't move and then it just like feels almost like claustrophobic yeah. you know yeah. you just like you just feel trapped in your own body there's three main main things that trigger it and there it's a drug withdrawal it's like an incredible amount of stress and it's a lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was having it the worst, I would, I was taking Adderall, going to school and working full time. All three of those things combined just triggered. And as soon as I stopped that lifestyle, they were, they were pretty much for the most part over, but mine are probably from lack of sleep. Yeah. Mainly. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess back in the, uh, Horror, horror movie business. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is co-writing and directing a movie called Mother Nature. Uh, it's going to be produced by Bloomhouse, and it's going to be about climate change. It's going to be a climate change horror movie. I saw this, and you know she's been working with Blumhouse with um, you know the the, the Halloween, Halloween movies, yeah. yeah. And I and she's directed uh, a, an episode or two of Scream Queens as well, so yeah. she's not like unfamiliar with this territory. So she co-wrote it. You said too, right? Yeah, now? she co- she's co-writing right now. Yeah, um, that's really like cool. Day after tomorrow type climate change. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's uh, it's in pre-production right now, so there weren't a ton of details. She's writing it with Russell Goldman. I looked up his IMDb and he just has a handful of short films. So could be a writing debut for for him. Um, yeah. You know, Blumhouse isn't just exclusively horror. That's like their main thing. I feel like most movies they put out, like even if they're not horror, horror fans tend to gravitate toward them. Yeah. Like Upgrade. Like thrillers and Have you stuff. seen Upgrade? Uh, no, I haven't. Have you guys seen Upgrade? You've seen Upgrade, Lindsay. Yeah. Have I yeah. seen Upgrade? I don't know. It's about a guy that gets, <coughs> excuse me, um, like a chip in his brain and he just like uh, gets all badass, like without his control. And it's not horror, but it's uh, horror-ish. It's yeah. horrific. The article horrific. I read about this one said it was a horror movie. Oh, it movie is a horror movie. Specifically. Okay. That, uh, but That's good. It, uh, yeah. That's so interesting. I, I think Jamie is moving towards a directing career because she's directing a Lifetime movie as well. I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is... uh, How hard is that? I've seen it happen in action. I've worked on on Lifetime movies. Doesn't look too hard. Not trying to yuck anybody's yum or anything. I know my grandma, who's probably not listening, really likes Lifetime movies. But I feel like that's where you go to die or get started. (laughs) You're either born there or you die there. Or both. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> you just stay there. But no, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm curious. I'm more sure. curious than anything. I, yeah. I, for the most part, liked Scream Queens all right. It always, like, I, it always started, like, so strong and then just toward the end. But 
Yeah. I mean, I didn't like the day after tomorrow though. So if it's anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It, it made me think, are there any good like natural disaster no, horror movies? No, well, what about the original there? earthquake? I, I remember liking that when I was a kid. I, I liked it when I was a kid. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I bet it's not good. No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. Sharknado. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's the, there's the so, so bad they're good ones that are just fascinating to watch only because they're kind of a mess. Um, but I'll stick to Roger Corman for those. Yeah. Because uh, at least he's got some charisma. Yeah, I, so. I really don't know that I'm like a disaster movie fan, but I kind of no. want to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, 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 I, I get that. I knew somebody, I worked at the video store, and um, there was somebody that just like, watched every single one of them and he's like yeah. i don't know why i know they're bad but i just can't stop watching them i would like to see a good one do you think yeah. there can be a good one though because then you're like almost turning in like a tornado or the earthquake has to be sort of like a monster you know <coughs> I, I like twister a, and twister yeah the tornado is a pretty good movie it, yeah. they growled right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think there could be a good one if you just didn't if you didn't take that approach if you didn't like make the the cold into a monster that's chasing yeah. you down like, i think they have to look make it more realistic into science a little yeah. bit more and see yeah. how realistic it like, is now she's an activist uh for climate change so she she probably knows at least a few things so. and like, maybe looks into it even more. I would just, I would be into seeing something like a little little more realistic. And some of that realistic stuff is is just as horrifying. Like you don't need to have like the cold monster that you could somehow yeah. hide inside yeah. of a room from. I just don't know how much like real events that are probably going to take place. I don't know how much I get excited about. Personally, yeah. I, I would rather have, uh, you know, a, just like a, a monster or something I would never see in yeah. real life. It's going to be a horrifying movie because it's like, this is going to happen It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like the new Stan movie, right? Or the new Stan miniseries. So speaking of what's going to happen to us, Scream 5 is going to happen to us. What? It's in the works. Is damn Nev damn Campbell in it? Okay. Scream so 5. So let me give you the information that, that we know so far. David Arquette has confirmed that he will yes, reprise his role yes. as Dewey Riley, <laughs> who in Scream 4 had become the sheriff of Woodsboro. Oh, so no longer Deputy Dewey. Sheriff Dewey. So I don't know if he's going to be the sheriff or he's retired. What about his ex-wife, huh? But um, I didn't see anything about Courtney Cox at all. So Nev Campbell is in talks to return to the first Scream. Um, or what? The fifth? The fifth, um, yeah. This is going to be, unfortunately, the first Scream movie not directed by Wes Craven. He's directed every single one of them. Yeah, but they were getting bad. So maybe <laughs> yeah, it's time for a fresh face. Yeah, maybe, maybe we need a new director here. Well, he's not doing it because he died in 2005. Oh, so well, now I feel like a dick. You well, should. I'm terrible. How did I not know Wes <laughs> Craven died? Yeah, I didn't died? know he was dead either. 2005. Yeah, he died wow. and it broke my heart. I guess I was like in a bad place in 2005. Yeah. You guys were just like having sleep paralysis. <laughs> um, the collective known as Radio Silence. Do you guys know of Radio Silence? It's like two guys. I forget their names, but they, together they're Radio Silence. But That's like the directing duo. That, that doesn't they, sound good either. They, um, but uh, they did some segments in VHS and Southbound, like which Southbound. was cool. And more recently directed the um, horror comedy Ready or Not. Oh, I liked Ready or Not. Yeah. Ready or Not. Um, Kevin Williamson will also not be returning as writer, which this will be the second film that he didn't write. He didn't write part three. But he came up with the whole concept and wrote 
the first one and the second one and the fourth one. But he's not doing the fifth. It'll be written by the Zodiac writer, James Vanderblit. Hmm. Well, do you think if Nev Campbell's back on, they'll finally kill her in this one? I, I hope so. I hope so. Nothing against Nev Campbell. Yeah. But I have everything against Sydney Prescott. <laughs> she annoys me. Uh, it's supposed to start filming this October, but of course that's a kind of a wait and see kind of thing. Right. Uh, the last thing I want to end with this information is something pretty fun. It's rumored. Oh no, actually, hold on. It's rumored that Blumhouse was supposed to produce it, but it'll be by Spyglass Media Group who debuted with, uh, the Sixth Sense. Mm, okay. So good production company. Here's the fun part. Matthew Lillard and Jamie Kennedy want to come back. How? Both their characters had died, right? Matthew Lillard in the first one, which was a pretty obvious death. He got a TV yes. smashed yes. on his face. He yeah, come back. Yeah. And Jamie Kennedy died in part two. So there's a there's a fan theory that Jamie Kennedy faked his death and he's been orchestrating this thing the whole time. Because he's like this horror movie. Yeah. Like, and that I think that would, would be, be pretty that'd cool. Be, that'd be all right with that. If he yeah. came back and he, like but that was the. You can't convince me that Matthew Lillard didn't die. Yeah. No, but I want to see him so bad. I, they could make it this. something like he was in a coma. Make up you know what though? Yeah. It's not I like know. I care. Like this is yeah. screen five. So I'm not like, I'm not looking for like complete plot. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> look at slasher movies. How yeah, many times yeah. they come yeah. back. And this movie is so like self-aware yeah. that they could kind of throw that into it sure. you know of I'm, like I'm the whole like no the more i, I think, think about should. it i want to see they it should. i'd be into that i don't know why but i'm excited for um yeah, the for same this, reason why i get excited for the five. saw movies it's just like i'm already in it you know i've already invested, invested this much, much time, time. Yeah. yeah it's one of those things where i get excited for the build-up and i get excited to go see it and then i leave the theater and it leaves my mind i don't know i think this could be good it, it has a lot of like potential behind it the yeah. directors the writer yeah the production company and i should note that the whole article that I was reading, they were very much stressing that they want to be honoring Wes Craven that's as cool. much as possible. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. So anyway, that is our horror babble. So up next will be our spotlight on Death Dream. So, Death Dream, directed by Bob Clark. Do you guys know what else he did? Black Christmas. And? Christmas Story. And? Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. That's right. Uh, one of the, the only one of those I've actually seen is Black Christmas, and it was good enough that um, it made me a little you bit... You haven't seen A Christmas Story? Oh, I, and Christmas Story. Children didn't So play I, should, I should say the only one of those horror movies I've seen. <laughs> Children Didn't Play With Dead Things? You haven't seen that? I haven't seen that yet. I want to oh, watch man, it, though, because I, I watched the preview. The funny thing is there's some of the same actors in, in yeah, that uh -huh. is in this. Anyway, uh, it wasn't written by Bob Clark, however. It was written by Alan Ormsby. It stars John Marley, Lynn Carlin, Richard Backus. So basically what this movie is about is a Vietnam soldier, or a young kid goes and fights in Vietnam and he gets killed. And his mother uh, does not want him to die so bad that somehow her wishes bring this young soldier back to life. What? Is that true? Yes. I did not get that from watching this yep. movie. Really? It is very true. Huh. So th there's points where she's like praying at the table. There's several uh -huh. points where she's, do not okay. die, do not die, do okay. not die. So essentially that's what they claim has brought this young man back as kind of like a zombie vampire. Yeah. He yeah. likes to inject blood. Yeah, yeah. He basically needs, but he, you know, he's not going to kill his family or whatever. So they're just kind of, 
they get this letter and and it says like your your son has died and and they're all upset about it and then like that very night they got the same the same night they got the letter like the sun shows up at like 3 a.m and they're just like ecstatic so they're ignoring a lot of these like weird things about him and like the fact that he's definitely not their son Oh, he's got some deadness in his eyes so what makes you what would make you want to see this movie do you like seeing a 70s mom who prefers men cut the meat at the dinner table? Then this movie's for you. Do you do you want to see a caring daughter who is emotionally abused by her parents who only care about their vampire zombie son? Or a fat Elvis-looking cop who apparently was able to bring his own sunglasses from home for the part? Or maybe the fact that uh, you like seeing cigars and pipes in dudes' mouths that never get smoked. You know, <laughs> this movie made me want to smoke a pipe when I was when I get older. A, a smokeless pipe, right? Well, I don't want to smoke, so yeah. Uh, do you want to see a the choking of a small dog with one hand? Oh or, yeah, that seems or great. <laughs> perhaps you want to see some over over the top bizarre crying by a redhead kid as he chews on his finger. <laughs> Maybe what would interest you is Deputy Don, who apparently suffers from ADD and can't stop playing with these balls. Oh, that guy was great. <laughs> or are you just interested in a score that sounds like it's been written by a drunken homeless person? So I'm upset about that score. <laughs> or, I think I could do a better score with my mouth, which I'm pretty sure they did at times. Or, or maybe you want to see a mailman who is brokenhearted and misses the small dog that got choked out. This movie, <laughs> this movie, I really liked, and it's kind of bad, but I, I really, Kinda. well, I love, I love the concept of this movie. This is a perfect movie when I say like, when I, as a candidate for a remake. I have that exact same thought. Because I, I think it's a fantastic storyline. Like, it's really creepy. And yeah. like, and like, it could have been done, it's just so like. It missed the target somehow, but yeah. it did hit the funny target quite a few times. Yeah, I mean, what it's a, a great social commentary on PTSD. So, so, yeah, and that's what I think that it's about. I ha I didn't even go in, I didn't look up uh, anything to, like, confirm that suspicion. But to me, and especially by the ending, like, according, because the ending doesn't really make sense to me unless this was about PTSD. Yeah. You know, but, oh, also, um... The special effects were done by Tom Savini, who also did um, Day of the Dead, a lot mm. of the George Romero stuff. Gosh, he did it, like, everything, really. Yeah, and he and the effects in this are on point. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think decent. they're pretty cool, yeah. like, especially yeah. for the time. Yeah, I mean, there was a scene where he was, like, getting older, and it looked like they just put Elmer's glue under his eyes. Yeah, I don't know. I liked I liked all the, the special effects. But when he effects. goes, like, full zombie, it's cool looking. And I like when, like, the maggots are coming out of his hand and, and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my, uh, there's just these like such awkward scenes. Like for instance, there's the scene where, uh, the dad's like clearly upset that I think the son had just killed the dog and, and, uh, the daughter just comes down and says, dad, are you okay? And he's just like, get the fuck out of the way. Like pushes her across the room <laughs> oh, yeah. and it's just like, or no, it's like my own goddamn business. Yeah. And it's just like, they're so horrible to this daughter and the whole time. And it's just like, it kind of takes you out of it. Like. How the fuck are these like people? They can give a shit about their daughter. Don't they, yeah. don't they plan on leaving her too? Yeah, at the end? yeah. <laughs> and uh, and there's like even a scene where the mom's like the daughter's like trying to come to the mom with something. She's like, "You haven't." The mom's like, "You haven't come to me since you were five. Andy always came to me, but you you never did. So you can't come to me now." And it's just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah some of the worst parents in in movie history. I yeah. Think. Very, very toxic home environment. Oh, for, for sure. sure, man. Yeah. And there is this scene where the, the zombie vampire son chokes out the dog. One-handed. One-handed. 
and for a good like three minutes where nobody and there's like in front of a of bunch kids. of kids yeah, there's kids around there's the dad right there everybody's seeing it but nobody stops the dude but <laughs> there was this kid and his crying and i'm gonna play a little clip of him crying and how long it goes on and how bad the crying is because brandon and i were like gut laughing and had to rewatch this a couple times yeah. so he- here we go <laughs> I think that 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 sound kind of sums up the whole movie for me. <laughs> I don't know. I I watched this. I actually ended up watching this twice because I wanted to you watched it with me. Yeah, I wanted to rewatch it with Melanie because it's kind of one of those ones that's like probably only good to watch with other people. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I, think I would have gotten through that by myself. I would have so turned it off and pretended. I had to walk out the second time you guys were watching it. Because I was like, nah, I get, not too soon. Yeah. But Josh watched it alone. Yeah. I didn't laugh at the kid crying. Because I was like, <laughs> dude, this guy just strangled a dog. I was kind of freaking out. But uh, there were a lot of good one-liners that really kept me going. Like when he was killing the doctor and he says... I died for you. Now you have to die for me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I was pretty entertained by it's, it. I, thought it was, I was really entertained by this movie. And I liked the premise, like yeah. you were saying. I just And I really, it's one of those ones that for me is so bad, it's like good. Like I'm just like, it's the same reason why I'm drawn to like the Howling Newman Rising, Howling 7. It just has like some weird thing about it where I'm just like, God, it's just so, the bad parts are so curiously bad and and but well, they're trying I, to make a good movie i think that has to be like and the have, recipe yes, for so bad yeah. it's good oh and, for sure yeah, yeah. and again yeah. like in fact when this kind of like ramps up toward the end when he just kind of goes full zombie vampire and he's like basically falling apart that's actually a pretty good movie from that point. Like, like as soon as they go to the drive-in and then, like, how creepy that whole thing is. Yeah, that's true. That's when it really feels like a horror movie. Yeah. yeah. In the in the beginning, it almost feels like this weird drama. Yeah. You know? and, there's and, a- and then there's some scenes where he, like, like Melanie said, he takes blood and then he shoots it into himself. Yeah. To, like, stay fresh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. makes me wonder why he doesn't just, like, None explain the situation and then, like, and then just get blood given to him by his family or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know why you need to kill anybody. <laughs> or just like <laughs> rob a hospital for some blood bags. Well, I think you know. he's not quite right in the head That's anymore, true. right? No. You know? And well, he's got this like he monstrous... He does kind of have a vendetta. Yeah. Well, and he, he saw his friend die and there's like this whole scene where they ask about like, I think there's the mailman that asked him about like the the kid who he saw die. He's like, oh, how, he hasn't written a letter. That's not right, is it? And like, that's he freaks out. So like, he's definitely... A little bit of himself still, but I think I think what it really is insinuating is that he's like really fucked up from from seeing everything that he had to see. Right, right. And then on top of that, he just happens to be a zombie vampire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie could have been made seriously. <laughs> it could have been. Yeah. And there's interesting choices. Like, so I had mentioned the ADD deputy Don, and there's this whole scene where the dad goes into the the police station to basically lie for his son because the dad has by the, at that point figured out that his son has like murdered some people. And so he goes into lie to, for them, him, and the dad's kind of like distraught, and he's ex- talking to these cops, and it's a very like serious conversation. And there's this dude sitting in the window, still just like 
playing with the blinds and it's like very distracting yeah. as a movie open, watcher closed open closed yeah. open closed as you're watching a movie like you want to yell at don like shut yeah. the fuck up don <laughs> he's trying do. to say something and he does yeah. but it takes like a good two minutes of yeah. this dude just playing with the fucking blinds and like Lindsay and i had talked about that that actor was like look i got a whole backstory for don all right <laughs> don is add right thinking about stuff and he's got to play with the blinds Yeah, because that couldn't have been in the script yeah. right like or could it have been i don't no. know i'd I be interested to know maybe really it like... wasn't and they ad-libbed and they're well, like keep we're saying, it we're yeah. saying like the actor like they gave him a little creative freedom and he's like oh I'm, okay just listen now hear me now <laughs> i liked i like that scene because the it was a close-up of the father's face as he's trying to teach and you just see the shadows moving but you can also <laughs> yeah. see like his expression changing and like He's getting more and more impatient as yeah. the scene gets on. And yeah. I just thought it was like, it was a fun scene because you just, you're getting upset with him, <laughs> yeah. like you're saying. And yeah. I don't know, it just kind of feels good once he gets yelled at. I'll tell you though, it's about the score, time. the score in this was wretched, man. It just like wretched. people got a bunch of instruments, like those triangles, and were just like clanking. They, yeah, so well, what well, I mean, they like opened up a hammered piano. on a piano. Yeah, I yeah. think they opened it up and then just was like plucking the strings sometimes, running things. Randomly violin strings. Like, yeah. And then just like somebody doing this in the microphone. Kind of like those bad bands that yeah. get together and say, why do you need to know how to play the instrument yeah. for it to be good music? No, it was just I like, think it was the producer's son was like, hey, my son's a musician and so, he needs to be in this if it's going to get made. So I feel like... Uh, I feel like it. There would there was not like any musical notes written down for the score either. Like right, it, it was right. just like some dude in a room like banging on a piano yeah. with a hammer. I cannot think of any melodies that were happening in it, or anything resembling music. I could be wrong, but I feel like it was mostly noise. It was mostly noise. Yeah. So, should we rate this? I think so. Does anyone want to say anything more about it before we rate it? I'm going to give it a 4.5. If it 4.5 because of how it was made. If it had been made greatly, I, it would be up like 8 or 9 just by the premise for me. But 4.5 for the what 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 we saw. Yeah, I'm going to just give it a 4 straight four there. It just it I did like the premise, but the the movie was terrible. <laughs> I'm going to go for a five and a half. Uh, I thought the movie was fun and it had good pacing. Yeah, that's true. With uh, the horror and then like a little bit of comedy. And then I, I thought the killings were like actually pretty creepy. They were. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, I don't know. I was entertained by it. I'm going the lowest uh, 3.5 because it seemed now if I'm looking at it critically, it seemed really amateurly made. There were some hard shadows that really bugged me just like shadows all over the wall. It feels like like it was like whoever did lighting it didn't or this and the cinematography didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. Um but it was fun to watch once. And again, like I walked away the second time it was on cuz I was just like I can't sit through this again. Um I think it I agree with you guys like this is a perfect candidate to be remade and I think it could be like a great movie. And I do like the premise, and I do like the horror scenes, but as a whole, I just don't ever want to see it again. So if you can't find a movie called Death Dream, it's also known by a title called Dead of Night. So either one of those, but we found it on Amazon called Death Dream, 
And so and I think I believe it was free on Amazon with a full moon subscription. <laughs> yeah, which I've been trying to watch <laughs> some movies on the full moon subscription. Not too much um, happiness there. If, if you are a person who is into bad, good movies, good, bad movies, bad, good movies. <laughs> or bad, 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 Just bad, so bad, bad they're movies. good. So bad, they're good. I, w- I would check this one out. And I'm, and I'm reluctant to say, call it necessarily a bad, because it is a cool premise. Just go watch it for the premise. Yeah, but be careful because Dead and Night is also another uh, anthology movie. Yeah, this one would be made in 1974, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that was our spotlight on Death Dream. Up next, our top three horror scores. All right, so horror scores or themes. Yeah, I think most of my list is, yeah, every single one of them. Every single (laughs) one of them is the theme song. But, I mean, the main composer did the theme song for all of mine, so kind of same thing. Um, Yeah, should we start it? Should we get into it? let's get into it. All right, my number three is Nightmare on Elm Street. Who wrote that score? Charles Bernstein. If you don't recognize his name, maybe you might know his work in Sharktopus versus Werewolf or Cujo or The Entity. Oh, he did Cujo too? Yeah. Nice. Now, was The Entity the one where she gets like... She gets banged by a ghost. Yeah. Yep. That is the entity, okay. yeah. yeah that one's, okay, and that, that makes me laugh even more because that had some funny score music in it. Anyway. It's just so hot. So, yeah, we decided uh, we're going to play some uh, little clips for you guys. I just, you know, this Nightmare on Elm Street, the reason why I picked it, uh, it's just this song is so iconic uh, for me. And the music is just like, I, I feel like if you've watched any of these movies, like this is what you kind of think of. This is what plays in your head. And I think that's the making of a good score. Like if you just wake something that gets stuck in your head. And it, it is, if you just like take the Freddy out of it and, and you just listen to it, it's just kind of like really scary music. Like this music could scare you on its own, even if you didn't know where it came from. And, and I, and I just, I don't know that, that in a movie, music is so important. And then just, I think this Music is a big reason why, for me at least, I love Nightmare on Elm Street. Like it just it coupled with it so so wonderfully, and it just like it all comes together and makes it just makes a perfect perfect movie. All right, let's hear some of it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh wait, that's the Will Smith one. All right, here's the actual score. See, that part is so cool. Yeah, I do. I do like that. It feels like I'm having a bad dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, that anyway, I don't know. I 
It just it reminds me of my childhood too. It's a classic. It's a classic. So that's why number three is Charles Bernstein with his Nightmare on Elm Street score. Um, my number three is Psycho, um, and it's Mike Oldfield who did the score. And the reason why I like this is the same kind of you do for Freddie. It's classic, right? Who doesn't? I mean, the Psycho theme is classic. You're always going to picture somebody with a knife. That's true. In fact, how many you know, times has it been like parodied yeah, in, yeah. in a way? So that's why I chose it. Nothing like too. Uh, I thought this movie was ahead of its times too as well. Like I love the show, the movie. Not the show, but <laughs> the movie. <laughs> I actually watched it when I was uh, doing research on horror movies with great scores and it was a classic that i hadn't seen before so i watched it for the first time this week and i would you think really enjoyed the score yeah Yeah. i was gonna put it as an honorable mention um yeah i i did really like it i thought it was oh it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing score psycho you haven't seen psycho or you have now i have now the one fence vaughn (laughs) <laughs> one more no. yeah that's the you know, that's when the i think of that right? one i think about that one i just think of him like masturbating by the wall I like yeah, just as a... her butthole when she falls over i just like... i don't understand why we need <laughs> that's what it shows. <laughs> i don't understand why we need the masturbating scene it's just no. weird and i don't need to and see her butthole. i don't want to see vince vaughn masturbating no, no all right so here's <laughs> well that makes one of us <laughs> here's a psycho prelude Yeah, that man, really it's, it's is such so a good. good. It's like I would just listen that, to that's this. That's what I was just gonna say. Like I like that song just to listen to that song. Like it's something really good about that. Um, it's on my Halloween playlist. Like, and I I always get excited when it comes on. Did now am I wrong or did Danny Elfman do the the new one for the remake? I could be wrong. You might be wrong. Maybe they just used the original. Maybe you could look it up. I could look it up. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, Psycho theme. Yeah, so my number three is Persona. It came out in 1966, and it was directed by Ingmar Bergman. The music in this movie was written by Lars Johan uh, Werle, and uh, I just thought the music in this movie really sets the tone for this film right from the get-go. So this music is from the opening credits. I can't really describe it, so I'm just going to play it for you guys. You know, you could... Just have me guess what type of a movie that was by playing it, and I bet psychological horror. Psychological. Oh, I was gonna say cartoon. <laughs> Tom there and Jerry. Is some cartoons in it. Is there um, really? Oh, just, just like, like ten seconds on of the a background. Cartoon. Uh, during the introduction sequence, it's like the director described it as a poem in images. So the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a. Uh, it sounds psychedelic. Kind yeah, of. it's. Okay. It's very interesting. Uh, 
the music in this movie is harsh and sounds uncoordinated throughout. But like I said earlier, I, I feel like it sets the tone perfectly for this movie and it just made me feel uneasy, especially yeah, at certain say, parts. It sounds unsettling. Yeah. Uh, another title for the film that the director was playing with before he decided with Persona is Cinematography. He was just going to call the, the movie that. Mm-hmm. But there's like a point in the movie where uh, the film literally burns like half of it off. Oh, okay. And then it just starts flashing like horrific images of like people being chased or like. That was probably extremely effective in the theater. Yeah. That probably freaked people out. And in the 1960s. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, that would freak me out. Today, I think, if I was watching a movie and it looked like the film burned, because I'd be like, aren't we all digital? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's happening to my laptop screen? <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoyed it. So that is my number three, is Persona by Ingmar Bergman. I got I to gotta see this movie. You've convinced me. I want to see Persona. My number three, recently on a podcast I listened to, which I won't call out, because I like the podcast, but I highly disagreed with them. They said that it, it, they were questioning whether or not it was horror, and that's Gremlins, 1984. Gremlins, to me, absolutely is a horror movie. Like, no doubt about it. It's like campy horror, but it's, it's campy. Yeah, yeah, it's like fun horror, and I think they said maybe it's horror for kids, but uh, there's some pretty gruesome scenes in it. I mean, yeah, these monsters are killing people. pretty scary scenes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the score, to me brings back so many great memories. And that's kind of how I constructed my my list. It's like when I hear these songs, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside because of the nostalgic nature of it. And I think it's like super duper catchy. And here it is. Uh, this is called The Gremlin's Rag from Jerry Goldsmith. I mean, it had the whole this I whole room it. dancing. I love it. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. yeah, I love every. I've always loved that song. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I mean, it reminds me of my childhood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another song that's on my Halloween playlist. Just uh, it, gosh, it's it like it really captures the mood of the movie. Like when I hear that song, I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit creepy. It's a little bit goofy. It's very 80s, and it's like really catchy. The tune. And the movie kind of feels very similar, right? Right. So that's why it's my number three, Gremlins by Jerry Goldsmith. So my number two is the score for Candyman by Philip Glass. Now, if you've listened to any of our previous shows, you probably could have guessed that this would be on my list for for some of my top favorite scores because I've talked about this before. Uh, Philip Glass, his, he's credited for like over a hundred movies um, providing music, music some some kind of music for. Uh, he did music for The Truman Show, The Illusionist, uh, The Hours. 
uh, with Candyman, however, and we talked about this earlier as well, but he was actually uh, disappointed after the movie came out and he had seen it. He thought he was kind of tricked into basically doing a score for kind of this like B slasher movie. He didn't really like it. Uh, interestingly enough, though, even though he had those feelings when they did their later Candyman movies, he didn't do the score for them, but he allowed them to use what he had done previously. And then he actually um, added like four new cues for him. So although he said he hated it, he was pretty cool about providing this like iconic music and, and helping them out uh, later on. So anyway, uh, we'll play a little snippet from that. And it's just like the opening scene. It's so iconic. so sad and scary yeah very melancholy yeah. yeah i don't know i think for some reason if if that movie did not have like that accompanied score it wouldn't it wouldn't have been as good of a movie like it just wouldn't have it, like it was still a really cool movie but there was something about the music in that movie throughout the entire movie that really just i don't know it made it it, I think it made it what it is. Very melancholy. Yeah. And there's parts of the movie that are, are that as well. Right. You know? the, the the movie is uh, not just terrifying, but it's kind of sad. It is know? sad. It feels pretty sad. Yeah. It's a sad story. Yeah. I remember being really depressed watching it when I was a kid. <laughs> um, I, <clears throat> I always... You used to play this uh, all the time on the piano. Anytime yeah. you get on the piano. And I thought it was that if I was a rich man, that was the. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a different. It's very key. different, very different tone altogether. <laughs> but it's the same melody, you know. Not at all. <laughs> if I was a rich man, not not at all. If I was a rich man, not not quite at all. There's somebody listening that's like, no. Brandon's right, <laughs> but nobody that's in this room. And that's okay. Anyway, I just, I don't know. I I'm playing Phil, Sweden. Philip Glass, Glass did such a great job. And even though he didn't like the movie, like, I think he was one of the most important parts of that movie. So that is why Candyman is my number two. Or Philip Glass's Candyman score. Number two. Okay, and my number two is The Exorcist by Bernard Thurman. Um, I just love the theme. I guess it's another classic movie. Kind of reminds me of my childhood. Um the theme's probably on your Halloween list, Brandon. It better be. <laughs> Which one? Exorcist. Oh, yeah. It, uh, isn't that Mike Oldfield? Oh, did I? Uh-oh. Mike Oldfield. Okay, so Bernard Thurman was Psycho. Sorry. And Mike Oldfield is uh, the Exorcist. Screwed that one up. By the way, now that we're talking about the Bernard Thurman again, Danny Elfman did redo oh. some of this stuff. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. He also did... Uh, one of my honorable mentions. So oh, okay. he's oh, a okay. dude. So that's why she was talking about Bernard the dude. Again. Yeah, so, sorry. <laughs> but yeah. Now this this is another one of those iconic it'd be so fun to be one of the people that wrote one of these like iconic Now it's tubular bells. Yeah. Is this just a classical song and they used it? I'm not sure. I don't know. That's what I always thought, but I could be wrong. You could be wrong. But it's a great song. You want to hear it? Here it goes.
I don't know. I feel like that has to just have been written for The Exorcist. Yeah. yeah. Like, who writes that song yeah, without The Exorcist? Like, it yeah, just no feels, way. like, demonic to me. Yeah. Especially those triangles. Yeah. <laughs> I could play this on the ukulele. I was very proud when I learned it. Yeah, so my number two is Suspiria, the 1977 version. Uh, Not the Tom York score? No, From the remake? Sorry. I haven't seen the remake yet, honestly. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, but this was directed by Dario Argento. 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 Yeah. yeah I, I'm not Italian, and I don't... I'm not no, sure. No, he's awesome. Was, uh, yeah, he's a great yeah, director. I like him. And uh famous for Jalo. He got movies. a progressive rock band called Goblin to mm. do the soundtrack for this movie. And, yeah, they do uh, a lot of soundtracks actually. Yeah, I was looking at their yeah. uh Spotify page and they had a ton. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all their music was soundtrack music. But yeah. uh it's a uh, pretty interesting. It's like progressive horror. I don't know. Here, I'll play a couple seconds and you'll see what I'm talking about. Josh is going all avant-garde <laughs> with his lists. Yeah. I well, love it. I like the... It was... <laughs> Almost like a Pink Floyd album or something, but spooky. I'm starting to yeah, feel, yeah, for sure. I'm starting to get an idea of what it's like to be up in Josh's head. Oh yeah, chaotic. Yeah, it's <laughs> chaos <laughs> and beautiful at the same time. <laughs> so I, I would I would like to just circle back a bit real quick before we forget. So with Tubular Bells, that uh, Mike Oldfield was was 19 when he wrote that song, and he had a whole album of just like instrumental songs that they played all of himself. So it was not written for The Exorcist. Okay, that's what I thought. However, the album was like did was doing poorly until he, it was used for The Exorcist, and then it began to sell. But oh, how cool! Nineteen years old, this dude wrote that song. That's yeah. pretty awesome, man. Yeah. I was just like playing video games and stuff at nineteen. <laughs> you were writing songs at nineteen. <laughs> yeah, that's too. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So I just I don't know the progressive horror rock really piqued my interest in Suspiria, and I thought it was uh, pretty interesting there, and you know. I like a good dance horror movie. <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> I would suggest watching the new one as well if you watched it. I haven't watched the new Suspiria yet because I didn't like the old one, but really? I, maybe I should watch the new one. Yeah, yeah, I've always been interested. And I didn't hate the old I one. I really like Tom York and Radiohead, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my number two, Suspiria. All right, my number two... And I had to do this, man. I had to put a John Carpenter score on here or else I would feel incomplete myself. Incomplete. There's a lot to choose from. What did you say? I just laughed at incomplete myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's a lot to choose from. John Carpenter scores a lot of his movies. And I was thinking about putting The Thing on this. That would be a definitely honorable mention. But he didn't score The Thing. One of his only movies he hadn't scored. Now, I didn't go with Halloween, even though that is a very classic tune. And I love it. And I could also play that on the ukulele. That's like all I can do on the ukulele is play like horror themes. Um, I had to go with The Fog because I just love it, man. It, I feel like it captures the essence of this movie and the, the theme song. Sounds like fog is moving in, and here is some of it.
John Carpenter has a couple of new albums that came out that he just like they're not scores from movies. Just like stuff he wrote. wrote. Yeah. And he's got I, such a cool style. Oh, I love his stuff, man. Yeah. I love it. And that like beginning of that song with the like thunder and such, yeah. it just feels so like gothic horror. And that song to me sounds like Ghost Pirates. Thunder and Such is, is the name of my next band. Thunder and Such. Yeah. <laughs> you guys could dress like Thor <coughs> and Valkyrie. Be great. Um yeah, to me, like when I hear this, I just see pirate ghosts and uh I like pirate ghosts and I like the fog and I love John Carpenter. And that's why I picked this for my number two, The Fog by John Carpenter. My number one is Army of Darkness. So Joseph LaDuca, uh, who composed the music for Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, he returned to score this film. Uh, however, I kind of messed up with this because the song that I chose to debut for this is actually written by Don Danny Elfman. So while while Joseph LaDuca scored this movie, which I actually enjoyed the score for the whole movie, however, my favorite part about this movie is is the the march. It's a, oh, the march of the is it the death march. March of the Dead. March of the Dead song, and that, that's the one that Danny Elfman did. That's the one that Danny Elfman did. It's the it's the theme of the movie, basically. Kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's what it says on the cover. Yeah, it's good. It's so good, but but I don't want to not give credit credit to Joseph Laduca because he, the rest of the movie, I, I really do, and I wouldn't have known. Like the, it sounds so similar, like it has some of the same pacing and stuff. So like that's I was kind of like. Surprised when I found out Danny Elfman had done had done the March of the Dead song. So, so anyway, uh, yeah, let's listen to a little bit of it. Oh, it's so big. It is so big. It's so big. Uh, I don't know. I, that it, You can tell it's Danny Elfman, can't you? Now that I hear it, it's just like, that's clearly Danny Elfman doing that song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I just love it. I love that. It's so cinematic, man. I love it. That scene of the, the when the dead are like marching on and to attack the, the castle and everything is such a fun scene in general. Like, it's kind of why... Army of Darkness sometimes sticks out in my head more, more than um, Evil Dead and Evil Evil Dead Two. A lot of it is just like this. It feels more musical in a way to me. Like Evil oh, Dead sure. and Evil Dead One, they had music, but it was really more based on sounds and effects and stuff like that. Yeah. But Army of Darkness was just like it almost felt like a musical number to me at times. You know. Sure. They made it into a musical. Did they? Right. I, I guess so. I don't know. You're probably right. It sounds kind of familiar. So anyway, this is like it's so. It's we should just, call this show like uh, maybe me questioning myself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think that uh, it just it feels so over the top. It make it makes the the movie so much more fun and almost cartoony in a way, and that's why I chose it as my number one. Army of Darkness by Joseph Laduca and Danny Elfman. 
All right, so my number one is Poltskirio, not the American version. Um, it, I cannot pronounce this name, but um, the score was from Takifumi Hakasta. Uh, that's like the best you're going to get. Um, and I just like, I don't, I don't know if any of you have seen this show. Um, I just like the score. It's kind of a interesting movie. It talks about, I think, how we all kind of have to die alone. And I think the score went along perfectly. Evil Dead the musical. Sorry, yes, it's, it was Evil Dead the musical. <laughs> I not, saw that. Yeah. Yeah, that scared me. It does sound like dying alone. <laughs> I just got scared. And I don't like being scared. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're on the wrong podcast, buddy. <laughs> uh, my number one, I've talked about this movie a lot, but I really love the score to this movie, and <gasps> it is Midsummer. And he's wearing the shirt. And I'm wearing a Midsummer shirt. Where'd you get that cool shirt? Brandon got it. For me for my birthday. Oh, and Brandon? Lindsay. <laughs> Both of you. Sorry. My idea of her money. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, the music in this movie is crazy. I watched it again this week, and I actually like listened to the soundtrack a couple times, and there are some very anxiety-inducing songs on this uh, soundtrack. Yet the soundtrack... And and the movie kind of blend together so seamlessly. Oh, so perfectly. Yeah. And that's why it's my number one is because... For sure. It, uh, the soundtrack flows so perfectly and fits what you're seeing so well. Um, Without the soundtrack, I don't know, the soundtrack pulls you in that much harder. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it, it really just, like, when you have, like, your surround sound up at home or your speakers kind of just blasting... Like it kind of feels, it kind of feels like it's like blanketing around you in in a weird way. It's just like it, it feels kind of almost like you're on a mushroom trip. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was because you watched it on mushrooms. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I gave you those. I dosed you. Um, but yeah, this soundtrack will switch from very beautiful, harmonious songs to these anxiety-inducing ones, and kind of how the movie does, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but this last song, which is what I'm going to play an excerpt from they kind of start blending together and playing over over each other. And it's almost like a battle between the two. And so I just wanted to play a small clip where you can hear both and you see one kind of overpower the other. And that would give you kind of a mood of what the music in this film is like. So here we go. Man, it it's it so starts good. out so like almost pretty, like you were saying, and then fades into it's oh my Terror. god, yeah. And then you hear that oh, like man. angelic awe. Oh, who did this score? The end. 
It's a Bobby Clerk. He's right. awesome, man. Because that, yeah. you know what that sounds like? Sounds like I'm on a good mushroom trip <laughs> and then and something then goes sour. Yeah. Well, no. I think that's what's funny about this is, is this is what in, in our uh, spotlight and death dream, I think this is what they were trying to accomplish, which is kind of like noise music, but this is like music. Yeah. You know, like. Where, yeah, where yeah. It, I mean, you, they're trying to capture the atmosphere. Right, right. Yeah. right. And, and there's a way to do it, and this is the way yeah, to do it. Yeah. Not just bang on, drunkenly on oh, a head. Oh, I love how it goes from pretty to descending yeah. and, like, flawlessly. Yeah. Oh, beautifully. Into terror. Like, yeah. like you said, it goes from this, like, cloud nine situation to, like, depths of hell. Yeah. Well, and if, if I remember through when, when watching the movie, the soundtrack's there in a way where it's like tickling your brain the whole time. Yeah. Where it's kind of like this high pitch, like, and it's in the back and it's like almost annoying, but it's not annoying. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's there to agitate you a bit, but it's like softly agitating you yeah. and you're kind of, I don't know, man, it's, it's such, it's such a perfect example yeah. of how to like do this atmospheric music. <clears throat> and and the, it fits the scene so perfectly. The, What's happening? Wow! Oh, it's this so song good. Do you remember, what is, scene is it? It's the it's the end scene where the human sacrifices are being oh, burned, okay. and everyone it's like this huge crowd of people just screaming and oh, mourning and like wailing around the screen, and you're just hearing this yeah. beautiful and then crazy, scary, oh, it's and then so good. beautiful music. Just the whole the whole movie it, uh, is it just amazing. A lot of emotion. Yeah, and, it does. Uh, I just and this is why we have such a youthful young man on the show, is so it's not just a bunch of nostalgic bullshit from old, <laughs> older people. That's true. That's true. Like I like this because when I was a kid, it when made I me was feel a good. Kid, Freddy Krueger was fun. <laughs> Josh is like bringing actual pieces of art to the show. Yeah, that's good. Um, do you have anything more to say about this? Um. No, that's that's about all I have to say. All right, so let's get back to some nostalgic <laughs> bullshit. <Yeah. laughs> this this is uh, maybe you should have went last. Um, <laughs> no, I okay. So like I I for my number one, I kept going back and forth from this to the psycho theme, but because they sound so similar, and I had to go with Reanimator and Richard Band because. It's just 80s, man. And I'm from the 80s, and I love the 80s. And this is like Psycho got injected by the 80s, yeah. And this is the the prologue from Reanimator. I mean, you heard the psycho in there, the shower yeah. scene. Word, word. But there's more. Let's get to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to this part. It's ex- yeah. How did they get away with that? Did they, like, credit it? 
Did they that's say a, it was I don't know, their that's load? That's my knowledge. Is it one of those things, like, as long as it's, like, 70% different, you could use some of the... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look at Vanilla Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. With, um... Was that David under Bowie pressure. song? Yeah, yeah, under pressure. That's fun, but I think Queen it's a little David bit Bowie. silly to pretend that's not the Psycho he, theme he song. He had to buy the rights to that song. He could have, uh, or to, or I mean, it's from what Psycho's from the '60s, yeah. so there you could still. Yeah, you no, still I had, was talking about uh, I, Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Oh, he had to. He had to buy the, the yeah, rights for it. Oh. He had the to get in trouble. Companies were going to sue him. <laughs> okay. Oh the rights to it. Okay. But there's a lot of hip hop groups that sample music, but yeah. I guess maybe they don't sample it long enough. Um, sometimes they like samples are done with permission. Yeah, uh, most people are are willing to to let people use samples. I mean, maybe, maybe that was the case here. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, if you listen to the whole thing, the whole thing goes kind of all over the place. Sure, and that's what I'm but saying. Maybe it's one of those situations where, like, oh no, 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 this song was like seventy percent not that. But I don't think it was on accident. No, yeah, it, it, it could have been done. Got to be in like a tribute. tribute. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a tribute, a tribute for too. sure. I'm, I'm so. sure that that uh, Stuart Gordon, who directed the movie, I'm sure he had a huge influence by Hitchcock. Sure. Um, but I, if you listen to the whole thing, we could only play snippets on the show for you know copyright reasons. But uh, if you listen to the whole thing, man, it is just so good, and it's right in the beginning of the movie, and it takes you in with all this like very 80s kind of animated. Um, opening scenes and that's why it's my number one reanimator main title from richard band 1985 i do have an honorable mention and i'll play it as well so um i wanted to put this on the list but it's more of a it's more of a sci-fi movie but i mean you could argue that a lot of sci-fi movies are horror as well especially if it's like aliens coming down to like hurt humanity and this is from um, Bernard Herman, who we talked about previously, done the psycho theme. Uh, this is the day the earth stood still. The reason why I like this song so much is because it encompasses everything that I think of when I think of sci-fi. I'm sorry, is it Bernard Herman or Thurman? Herman. Is it Herman? I think I might have been saying Thurman earlier. H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N. <laughs> if I said Thurman earlier, then just forgive that. But here's just a snippet from it. And... Th- Tell me this isn't just like classic sci-fi. And speaking of like... Kind of spooky. Yeah. And speaking of sound-alikes, does it almost sound like the Mars attacks? I can't remember. I can't remember what that is. So it was meant to, on the reanimator, it was meant to give um, the guy from Psycho, it was meant to give him, uh, like, you know, kind of props to, like, hey, we used your music, but they cut it out. So the guy that composed the reanimator said he did give Psycho props in the end of the movie, but they cut it out. So it wasn't his fault. It was kind of... Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, so Stuart so Gordon was, wanted to give credit. Yeah, he wanted to give credit to Psycho. Like they cut out the credits or there's like a part they, in the movie? There's a part in the end where he said he gave credit and then they cut that out from the... Interesting. Why. Yeah. The production company, yeah. maybe. Hold on. Let me just see if it was close. It, again, I'm questioning myself. Hello. Welcome to Sunny Morning <laughs> that, was not, that is not... <laughs> Okay, never mind. I can't find it. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, my honorable honorable mentions are some of the iconic ones. I didn't grow up watching horror movies, but I still knew these soundtracks, and that's like Halloween, mm-hmm. Jaws, oh, uh, yeah. etc. Stuff like that. But I also wanted to mention the Omen. That was oh, one yeah. I watched this week. That that's great. Had a good soundtrack, uh, and uh, was a pretty good horror movie. That it, it was. That was a pretty good horror movie. Especially for like the time and everything. Oh yeah, the Omen, the original. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the remake is kind of. It's the same. Thing. Yeah, I think Phantasm would be one of my honorable mentions. That always had yeah, a really Phantasm cool. Yeah, Phantasm has to be. You know, Brandon and I like had gone back and and watched those, and I was thinking it'd be one of those things like in my head it was really cool at the time, and then going back and watching it would be like really outdated, but it wasn't. Like every one of those was good. That we yeah. we never made it to the very end. But we never oh, saw those, one so that good. we hated. Yeah, we were so like, good. we were like into them. We're like, we have to see them all now. I watched them up all till the the very. There's last a brand one. new one, and it's yeah. the one before the guy that plays Tallman actually died. Oh, I'd like to. I'd like to see it then. <laughs> Sorry, I played music over you guys. Okay, I'm wrong. That's why you always got to question yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any more honorable mentions? I'm good. All right. Well, then that's our show. Thank you for tuning in. We like to remind you that we are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Bub Club, Podcast. And if you have any questions for us, suggestions, anything of that sort, email us at bubclubpodcast at gmail.com. Bub Club has been a production of Pod Coltrane. Here's some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events, and Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. And we will see you next week.